Welcome to Leader You by Black River Performance Management, where we believe work should fuel the human spirit, not drain it. In this leadership podcast, we will dive into the lived experiences of people flourishing in today's workplace and beyond. Join us to hear real-life examples of experiences from our own lives and from the leaders we know and trust. Today's sponsors are Radon Professionals. Hello and welcome to the Leader You podcast. Uh, today I have the pleasure of introducing a dear friend and uh, just a great human being, Kevin from Kevin Bailey from the Idaho Nonprofit Center. Uh, he joined the Idaho Nonprofit Center in July of 2021 after previously serving as the CEO of the United Way of Southern, Southeastern Idaho. He brings past experience in both the education and social impact sector for both internationally and domestically, having worked in both Uganda and Chile. Kevin has directed federal grant programs related to college access for first-generation students and also directed community programs supporting financial stability for families immigrating to the U.S. In his free time, he and his family love exploring the great beauty in the West by biking, hiking, and getting outside in na- into nature. On Saturdays in the fall, you can find Kevin all avidly cheering on his Notre Dame fighting Irish football team. Thank you for joining us, Kevin. I'm so excited to have you here today because I know you have a lot to share with people in the nonprofit sector and just anyone who's learning to and wanting to grow their leadership. And uh, today I'm excited to to introduce you and to have you share your story and uh, give us some tips on the leadership competency, futuristic thinking. So without any further ado, let's take a few minutes to have you introduce you yourself and tell your story of how you wound up uh, being the CEO of the Idaho Nonprofit Center and how you, you know, how you got, how those doors open for you. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Angie. It's um, really great to be able to chat all things nonprofits anytime. Always up for that. Um, yeah, my journey is, um, it's kind of one of just saying yes to the right things at the right time and throwing myself in places where a lot of other people didn't want to go, to be frank. Um, you know, it really starts in my university days. I was at college at the University of Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. And um, so just the, the high level overview is my journey took me from Indiana to, U- to Uganda, um, back to Richmond, Virginia, and then to Minneapolis, and then Chile, and then Omaha, and then Idaho. So it's been a really uh, winding, circular journey, but all, all things have led to the next thing. Um, it really starts for me, you know, my first taste of the nonprofit sector was when I was in college. So I was actually traveling overseas to Uganda for the first time to do like a summer service project with uh, my university. And um, just happen chance, I, I'm in the back of the airplane somewhere over the Sahara Desert and waiting in line for the bathroom with a Notre Dame sweatshirt on. This other guy who's, you know, maybe um, 30 years older than me comes up to me and asks me if I was a student. I had the sweatshirt on, so I was identifying, I guess. And um, he said he was an alum from from years back and he was going over there for a different project. And he invited me to come up and see what they were doing. It was a startup nonprofit that was installing solar powered computers and long range Wi-Fi in sort of these refugee camps in the northern part of a war-torn part of the country. So I, of course, couldn't say no to checking out what was going on up there. We ended up staying in touch over the course of the next year. Um, and I was able to make it back to Uganda one more time. And um, uh, we stayed in touch. And and I asked him, you know, as I was getting ready to graduate college, you know, could I work for you guys? Could I go over? I was looking for an international opportunity. 
asked him if I could go work for him. Um, he said, we don't have any money to pay anybody. We just bought all the equipment. We're a startup, you know, we're, but, you know, if you want to raise your own salary, you can do that. So I said, sure, let's try that out. Um, I asked my parents for my Christmas card list. This is back in the late 2000s, I guess. So um, there was no like GoFundMe. Social media was barely a thing. I think the first iPhone came out that year. Um, so I just did the old fashioned, write a letter, put a picture on the front of what I was trying to do and um, sent it out to 200 plus folks within just like 30 or 60 days, you know, 20,000 and $30,000 of, of funds just rolled in. It was enough to instantly be able to say like, yes, let's do this. Let's figure it out. So I call it kind of my DIY Peace Corps experience. Wow. It was very informal, but um, it sort of set the tone for everything that I've done since, you know, being able to say uh, yes to opportunities where I've just put myself in a position to, you know, go places that, that maybe people didn't think of going. And, um, you know, that led to the next thing. And so I had a, a brief career in teaching both domestically in Richmond, Virginia. And in uh, I met my wife at a teaching program, actually, and we went to teach in South America and Chile. Um, and then we came back to the States when our first, our oldest child was almost born and um, landed in Omaha, Nebraska, where she's from and um, sort of got back into nonprofits at that point. Um, and again, like Idaho wasn't on my radar, but we wanted to move West and uh, United Way job opened up. I was looking for kind of community level, uh, 30,000 foot type organizations to jump into. And um, <clears throat> never been to Pocatello, never been to Idaho when I looked at the job and uh, was like, let's give this a shot. And, and things worked out. We loved it, uh, which then led here to the Idaho Nonprofit Center, uh, where I'm currently CEO, been in the role about a year now and just really enjoying it, enjoying the variety of organizations that we get to work with. We have 800 plus members. Uh, we support them with capacity building, training, advocacy, uh, any type of resource and need that they have. We're kind of the go-to organization for that. And, um, you know, to be able to see the different types of nonprofits that help our communities thrive and help our state be successful. And, and we're, you know, a small part of that, which is a really fulfilling role to play. Great. Wow. What a winding road that is. I mean, you've been all over the map <laughs> on a few continents already, and you're not that old. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we're we're in Idaho for good. You know, that's that's the one thing we do feel pretty strongly about. So um, we're we found our roots, place where we want to put down roots. We have three young kids now, three boys, um, all uh, kind of starting their educational journeys in school now, and uh, so it's a good place to be here here in the Treasure Valley. That's awesome. So do you think you've discovered your purpose in the work you're doing now? <clears throat> yeah, to, to some degree. I always struggle with that question, um, to be honest, this this idea of like a, a mantra or a personal mission statement. Um, I just, I, sometimes I can hold on to some of those things for, for two or three weeks at a time. And then I feel like the environment changes, the, the needs change. I need to refocus on something else, whether it's personal or family or, or professional um, as I was thinking about that question, I, I kind of landed on, you know, if I can leave a legacy and leave things in a better place than when I found them, um, I love building things in, in the sense of organizations. I love um, a challenge, um, an organization that has potential, that, that needs <clears throat> maybe an infusion of, of energy and resources and ideas and the ability to, to build that, that's really fulfilling for me. And so I think that's really at the heart of 
what I love doing. Um, and, and if it can serve the sector, the nonprofit sector or the community at large, you know, that's in alignment with my values and, and my mission too. But I don't have one particular slogan that I just kind of uh, attach myself to, but um, I wish I could stick to one, but, uh, but that's kind of the way I approach it. I think that's, uh, I think our purpose is always kind of moving. It's a moving target, different specific needs. Um, but I know that when I met you, the reason I had you on the podcast today is because I know how how big of a heart you have for the nonprofit sector and also just for serving, um, serving others and just hearing your story and understanding who you are as a human being and what a what an amazing leader you are and, and how you're able to bring people together to do amazing things. I saw you, I got to be, uh, work with you a little bit at United Way and be on the board and uh, I, we've just continued this friendship and I've just loved seeing your success and seeing you thrive and helping nonprofits with tools to be successful. And that's basically the reason we have this podcast too, is for people who want to learn on their own. They want to uh, they want to continue their personal and professional development, and it doesn't cost any money to listen to a free podcast. So trying to gather leaders to talk about leadership competencies that are important, and there's 25 of them what we focus on, and today our focus is the futuristic thinking. And so I thought it would be great to talk to you today about the future of nonprofits and, and how you see the future of for nonprofits and, and how leaders in the nonprofit industry can start thinking futuristically and um, really prepare themselves for things to come that they might be able to anticipate and also for things that we may not be able to anticipate like pandemics and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a big question. So as I jump into it, feel free to steer me in particular directions. But um, yeah, I think what I've learned is as we think about the future of nonprofits, I think it, a lot of it has to do with, um, I guess, two things. I think the sort of way that we frame our missions around causes. We, we know from research that um, really causes are the driver of, of a lot of fundraising success. We need to be thinking more in terms of how do we frame our mission as a cause that the community can respond positively to. That's a big part of, of certainly our advocacy work and work with other nonprofits to, to help that, that messaging come through, which then entails you know, investments in communications and marketing and some of those things that nonprofits traditionally have avoided investing in uh, because they've been so program focused. And so let's get the, the boxes of food or the services out the door. But um, the messaging is really just as important because it's part of a story um, that educates the community on, on a change that we desire, right? We, you know, if we're trying to solve for these really hard intractable problems like the housing crisis, like food insecurity, access to healthcare, I mean, all of these are causes, right? And no one single organization is going to solve that problem on their own. They may have fantastic world-class services, um, but they can't meet the whole need. And they also sometimes can't on their own change whole systems, which are heavily entrenched, but um, we do see through advocacy and through uh, the support of the public at large, that identification of, yes, there's a a reckoning to be had here around this issue. Let's address it as a society. That's when we start to see big things, uh, those big boulders get moved. And so I think nonprofits need to be thinking more about how, how they reframe and reposition, how they fit in with their missions to that larger cause 
that um, that that they're that they're a part of overall in, in the kind of those societal shifts. Um, the second thing I think is around just leadership and um, nonprofits and the importance of good executive leadership in nonprofits. Almost without fail, you know, a successful nonprofit has a high functioning leader in the executive role. Um, it's it's very rare to find uh, the opposite to be true in any. You know, those two things are so highly correlated. Uh, obviously, the board is an important resource there, too. And that that partnership that exists between an executive director and a board um, as their direct advocates, as their, you know, frankly, their direct supervisor is important and, and crucial as well. But really supporting our leaders is um, top of mind for me in this role, too, as we think about the future of nonprofits. Um, how do we support effective leadership? How do we support leadership growth, building the pipeline of leaders. When we think about our state, um, I don't even think in higher ed right now, we have like a master of nonprofit administration, right? We have some certificate programs. We have, you know, we need to be thinking big about we're the fifth largest um, employment sector um, nonprofits are and, and how do we support really strong leaders that are coming up through the ranks uh, or attracting, you know, leaders that come from out of state uh, like I did. Uh, who want to stay here and and grow and build their organizations and so that that's top of mind as well and i think those those two elements are, are really key oh yeah those those are really great things to be thinking about as it relates to the boards or your board or the, some of the boards that you've worked with how do you keep them uh thinking futuristically as as it relates to where you are now and where you want to get going and that vision that you have yeah um i think you know we nonprofits tend to struggle when boards um, get into sort of the day-to-day -day operations and management aspect. Um, you know, given a certain size nonprofit that actually has staff, you know, it looks a little different for an all-volunteer organization because the board does have to do some day-to-day -day operational tasks. But for a, a medium-sized nonprofit or a nonprofit with at least a handful of staff, you know, the board is really there to 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 be a part of generative strategic discussions. Um, and certainly it's, I think, a challenge for nonprofit leaders to um, keep boards engaged, to keep them up to date in terms of building the, the knowledge base that you need to have to have productive, generative, strategic, futuristic discussions. And that's that's honestly like one of the most challenging parts of our jobs in this sector, I think, is how do we leverage that, that talent asset that the board is to... Um, to tap into that that insight that they have about their community and um, really lead to strategic thought. And we've had some great discussions here at the Idaho Nonprofit Center. I think we're lucky to have a board made up of slightly over half, uh, includes nonprofit professionals and executives from around the state. And then the other half made up of, of community members from various backgrounds from the corporate world to higher ed, government, et cetera. But, um, you know, that's that's an ongoing challenge, I think, for nonprofit leaders. One of the hardest parts of the job for sure is is how do I how do I manage my board in, in both directions, right? Manage upward and how do they manage me and how do we keep a productive, strategic focus on what we're doing as an organization? Because ultimately they're your, you know, 12 to 20 or however many board members you have, you're your first line advocates in the community for your organization. Yeah. So impactful to have to set aside some time. Because uh, that's the one thing that everybody's fighting for is time, Ben. It has to be intentional to set some time away aside to pause and get off the hamster wheel and sometimes just think about strategy and future and what 
even if you're creating a story or some scenarios on the best case scenario, what could we, what could we be? What are some opportunities and what are really getting uh, collaboration from the whole group about best case scenarios and getting all those perspectives in one room. Like you said, they come from all sectors and industries. So setting the time, you won't get that information out from those people if we don't put time and intention into it. And yeah, that's yeah. And the I one, think, um, yeah. The leaders also, you know, it's it's not just the board, but, you know, us as leaders, we need to build time into our own schedules to be having that sort of personal reflection, strategic mm -hmm. thinking time, um, which, you know, I think that's been a learning for me too, is that um, as much as everything feels like it's go, 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 respond to the next crisis, respond to, you know, the needs even of your own team, and, you know, you, you start to wear yourself a little bit thin, um, you need to build time to, that's protected in your own schedule to have those forward future thinking um, um, uh, idea, you know, generation sessions, even even if it's just with yourself to think yeah. through, okay, what, where are we going? How's it going? Um how can I how can I be thoughtful about what the future holds for our organization rather than just being in the moment constantly? Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons uh, coupled with COVID is just that people have been kind of in a burnout. They've reached burnout is because people mostly are altruistic and selfless that that uh, when we work with these organizations, many of them, they really just they want to serve, serve, serve. And they it, it, the, the opposite is true in some in some instances instances, but in nonprofits, most of these people are there because it fulfills their why. And they they're the people that need the self-check and we have to protect them and help teach them how to protect themselves and be intentional with our time and say, look, sometimes you're gonna have to be told, like, you need to take some time to reflect. You need to uh take a little time for yourself and make sure you're seeing your family, getting a little bit of life balance and things so that um, they're not burning out. Because when you're in the trenches with the people um, that you're serving, oftentimes it can be. If you're not putting yourself first and your natural instinct is to be very selfless and altruistic, it's great because it fills your purpose and your soul. However, if your cup isn't full, then oftentimes you, you burn out. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, knowing when you need to zoom out to get your head out of the details and out of the the, the sort of chaos that exists at the ground floor. Um, you know, just even just this week, I was, you know, kind of overwhelmed by a number of grants that we were working on. And, um, you know, you start you know, projecting your own own fears and your own um insecurities about what the future holds for you know especially when it relates to funding there's always stress around that with mm -hmm. nonprofits, and and then you know you step away from your inbox step away from your your OneDrive folder and uh zoom out a little bit and realize yeah you've got the organization on great footing you're headed in the right direction this this opportunity um for a particular funding opportunity doesn't doesn't make or break the organization. It's, you know, things are still fine. You zoom out, you have that time just to take care of, you know, your your perspective and your mental health to some degree, I think is key. But um, we don't often do that enough, I think. Yeah, protect, understanding your emotions and where you are. And, and you mentioned earlier being in fight or flight. And I think sometimes we get on that treadmill of life and just we, we just start reacting and responding to every stimuli in our environment and not carving out time or being intentional on our calendar. Like 
quarterly, I'm going to reflect on how the last quarters went, you know, put it in your calendar or, um, this, this next meeting, we're going to take an hour and a half to be, throw the biggest audacious plans, your pipe dreams up on the wall of, you know, and let's just get creative and brainstorm. You have to set, you have to be intentional about it because otherwise you're just handling business as it happens. And, putting out fires, which none of us yeah. are really firemen, but um, <laughs> we're really just doing mundane tasks that we think are super important because when we get into, they're important, but when we get into fight or flight, we're just responding instead of being intentional. All of yeah. the work is important, but we're not literally putting out fires. We're, you know, yeah. an event doesn't have everybody there that we intended or, you know, it's, it's not as big of a deal that we sometimes make it or our ego tries to make it right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. One, one strategy that's helped me is even just to take, you know, get rid of the to-do list and say, what are one or two things that define success for today? Mm-hmm. Um, and they could be like big or small things. Maybe it's uh, an outcome from a, an important meeting maybe it's finishing a big grant, but maybe whatever it is that, that like, that has to happen today for today to be successful. If you add that up, you know, you have like what, 250 work days in a year, you know, that's, that's a lot of progress made um, versus just kind of like approaching the day of like, whatever hits me is going to hit me. And I'm going to just be, you know, the punching bag that responds uh, in, in real time. It's, it doesn't work very well that way. And, and sometimes that means letting go of a few other things that, we used to, you know, worry a lot about, but um, I think defining those, you know, what makes today successful, what one or two things would be a positive outcome is 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 about all we as humans and leaders sometimes can do in in a busy day that that involves so many other moving parts. Yeah, and that keeps you focused on your values, really, like really coming back to your values and the mission of the organization. I mean, we can talk about our mission and our vision, but if we're not living it out or modeling it. It's really hard if we're, you know, ugly at work and we're not serving our people at work, then it's not really helpful um, to serve our communities in such a great way if we're not starting with our own, with our own families, with our own people in our organizations. Um, but we, we're not going to be able to do it if we don't, you know, protect our time. How do you um, think you can cultivate this skill in your, in our families and in our communities as well, as far as you you mentioned storytelling maybe that's a way yeah yeah I think um well so one book I read see if I can pull it up to the camera here um for those that are viewing um it's called the practice of groundedness by Brad Stolberg and um it's kind of six six key principles uh to achieve some of that groundedness and you know two that really resonate with me I think are building deep community um and then secondly incorporating movement um, and movement, you know, for those who are physically able could be as simple as like going for a walk uh, at certain key times around the day to rejuvenate, to recharge, understanding, you know, how your energy levels fluctuate throughout the day, paying more attention to that, especially as we get older, we can't do, you know, everything that we, that we used to be able to do. I mean, for me personally, the outlet that I love the most um, and I try to do it one or two times during the week. And then definitely on the weekends is like hiking or mountain biking in our beautiful trails, you know, in any part of the state that I happen to be in, but um, especially here in the Treasure Valley. But, um, and then that building deep community, it's, you know, who are your people who, you know, maybe don't don't care anything about what you do professionally, but uh, it's your family, obviously, your 
your close friends who who you grab a beer with, who you grab coffee with, um, who you catch up with, and who you know understand you as a person, not as a professional with a title, and are there for you. And I think that's those are two two practices that are I think really important to me. That's and, uh, right. Our family's you know relatively good at doing that with regularity. I think um, my wife Becca keeps me pretty accountable to. She's great at building community and. A lot of times I get my cup filled just by tagging along, which is easy for me. <laughs> yeah, she's great. And you, your kids are now at an age where they can probably hike a little bit out in the foothills and things. So all of them. Yeah, yeah, they're getting there. I uh, I tried to take two of the oldest on a Father's Day hike earlier this year, and one of them fell down and skinned their knee off a rock <laughs> like <laughs> 20 minutes in, and then the rest was a total disaster. So, you know, that's what I get for trying to drag them up to... Uh, the National Forest area on Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be memorable for sure. <laughs> exactly. The hard times are <laughs> the frustrating times of parenting are the most memorable. So. Yeah. So do you feel like after COVID now, you're probably on a place where it's time to take a deep breath and really focus on the future? Is that kind of where you are and, and the whole the state is? Yeah, I think um, just the sector at large, nonprofits right now are in that mode of of asking what's next. Um, we have some really big challenges that we're facing as a sector. I think we're we're facing um, you know potentially a recession, which is a scary word for fundraisers and executive directors. You know, there's some debate about whether we're currently in a recession, and you know how donors and corporate uh, donors and foundations even might respond. And we still know that individual donors are the largest segment of charitable giving. Foundations are, are usually second and, and then, you know, corporate partners, uh, of course. So there's a lot of questions around that. I think people are a little bit nervous about that um, with some funding cliffs potentially coming. But um, I think, you know, we're optimistic. We have the right, the right skill set as a sector. We're continuing to build that skill set. Um, and, but I think organizations individually too are asking those questions of, of how do we how do we respond to these great great challenges that we have in our communities right now, especially around housing access to and conservation of of our great open spaces, um, you know, sharing resources equitably with those who are you know being left behind uh, in the housing market, you know, our food insecure, being left behind educationally. That's a huge obviously a huge issue for our state with some educational outcomes. So some big, big challenges. And I think we need, you know, it's going to be the leaders that step up and can uh, create valuable collaborations that align across government, you know, for-profit, nonprofit. That's that's where the magic is. It's not just nonprofits that can do it on their own. Um, nonprofits have been asked to do a lot in the state, but it's it's time for uh, a lot more alignment with those with those sectors. That's the only way we get some of these big problems um, attacked and solved. Yeah, that's some great points. So would you be willing to share like three pieces of advice or lessons or words of wisdom, anything that you feel that you wish you had known earlier? Uh, yeah, let's see. So I, the first thing I think is just around risk-taking. Um, I'm not necessarily the most, I'm probably in my day-to-day -day life a little bit risk averse, but when it's come to the big decisions, like um, jumping into an opportunity that launched my nonprofit career in Uganda when nobody else wanted that job, um, you know, risk-taking has, has really, or at least being willing, being the person willing to show up in the room has gotten me pretty far. Um, you know, that's, that's sometimes it's just showing those who show up get uh, assigned and then one thing leads to the next. 
Um, so that, that's always been part of it. Just take those risks, um, be willing to fail. You know, I don't think we let ourselves fail as much as we should. I certainly don't, um, but, but take those risks, be willing to show up uh, and see what happens. Um, again, going where others haven't gone before and being willing to step into those spaces is, is key too. And, you know, I think, you know, sort of the last thing is just sort of know your, your superpower, know what makes you unique as a leader, as an employee, as a contributor, whatever it is that your role is as a board member, as a community member, a donor, um, whatever it is your role is, um, understand what, what you bring to the table that's unique. What, what is that perspective? Um, uh, what is the value that you bring and really lean on that leverage that I think can't remember where I read it, but um, you know, you get a lot more out of leaning on your strengths and really driving those forward and going far with those. You want to be aware of your weaknesses, but, um, and work on them certainly, but don't, don't spend your whole day, you know, trying to get better at something that's just not natural for you. Mm-hmm. Those are great tips uh, and words of wisdom. I, I wish I, that's one of the things that I love is that getting all this wisdom. So so many things I wish I had known earlier in life that things could have been so much easier, but we probably wouldn't have listened anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's a it's a constant battle of like you know you forget your north star, you go two weeks and you're on fire, and then you hit a lull, and you got to find a way to get back, and you got to find a way to rediscover what it is that makes you tick and what it is that you're after. Uh, I find it to be just like a constant iterative process in both personal and professional life of like, it's always a moving target. The human nature is that um, it's hard to keep your finger right on the thing that drives you that, that, that you need to always be doing. But um, that's why it's so important to step back and like get out of it and figure, figure out how to get back on track and recenter and do the things that keep us going. Yeah. And I think one of those things that brings you back to where you need to be your north star is those values understanding what your values are and what the organization you're working for values and oftentimes when we work with organizations you would be surprised at how many people don't know what their own values are and mm-hmm. i think it is important that we take time to help people understand what values are what they mean and how you tie everything back to that and when you're feeling yucky or you don't like how something goes, most times it has to do with you didn't align with your own values or this organization isn't aligning with your values or something's amiss that, that and we feel uncomfortable. We don't know why or how to communicate it, don't have the language. And so when people, just even having simple, simple uh, activities in the workplace to help people figure out what their values are because those do change over time and I, I believe our purpose changes over time in different transitions of life my my purpose and my values were a lot different at 20 than they are at 50 or 49 I won't put myself yeah. yet but uh <laughs> you know it changes but but wherever you are and wherever they are being able to meet them where they are you meet yourself where you are and and I, I think that's a skill that we really have to develop in people um, to help them be most successful because they can't really futuristic think or be creative when they're in that fight or flight mode and they're in busy work constantly and never feeling like they're really reflective, taking time to reflect, taking yeah. time to figure out, yeah. oh, I guess I do really value integrity over, you know, whatever the other value is, like whatever, kind of figuring yourself out, then understanding what the people on your team value. You know, mm-hmm. you you may value um, 
something's completely different than your teammates. But where do you align? Finding that alignment and how you all align separately with the organization's goals, like that is a game changer for yeah. people. Yeah, when uh, when I first started here at the Idaho Nonprofit Center, we probably three or four months in, we uh, we renewed our strategic plan and went through a process for that. And it started with value identification, which I think was super helpful. We still go back as the staff um, to look through that lens to make sure that the decisions we're making, the directions we're going align with those values, but also just um, it's given us a North Star as an organization to constantly go back to it at least quarterly to say, you know, what's, where are we pivoting? What are we doing differently? How are we meeting? What we said was important, you know, is our North Star still our North Star rather than, you know, just a, a document that sits on the shelf. It's been a real living iterative document. And, um, and that's, that's made a big difference, I think. And that's part of that futuristic um, thinking skill set. It's, it's make time, build in time to go back to evaluate what it is that you put on paper and where you're heading and, and pivot where you need to and, and adjust, but it's it's just a constant process. It's, it's that constant iterative building process. Yeah, I agree. I also think that looking at where you've come as an organization, like reverse engineering it and thinking the things that you've been through, the things that you've overcome, the changes that have had to happen can actually show you how much resilience and how, how flexible the organization actually is um, so that you can start to think about if we could do this in the past, what are our possibilities? What are what are the opportunities for us in the future? And thinking big, like I said, pipe dreams. Just thinking yeah. big because when you shoot mm -hmm. low, you you hit the target every time. But if you aim high, mm -hmm. you know, it's you're always gonna aim higher in, in life. Yeah, yeah. And we we certain our communities and our state need big ideas to be successful. You know, we're um, we're seeing some great examples of that in the nonprofit sector, especially through COVID and, and coming out of it. Um, some big, awesome projects happening in the sector, but we need to keep thinking big. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I interviewed uh, someone in the nonprofit sector today, Vanessa Moos from, she's on your board. Yeah. Yes. And she talked about that as well. And it's just amazing how people were able to pull off fundraising events virtually and you know make the same amount of money fundraising in a virtual event that would have been held at like the Coeur d'Alene Resort before and still bring in that same kind of money mm -hmm. and that that's that's invigorating to me yeah absolutely and they've got a great project going on to build a, a new facility to serve their community where one didn't exist before and um, so yeah, some really great, it's a great partnership collaboration that they've got going up in Kootenai County, up in up in north part of Idaho, and uh, yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time, Kevin. Uh, I just really appreciate the work you do for our state and for the leadership, and just for you know the human that you are and the friend that you've become over these past few years. Getting to know you after meeting you in leadership, Pocatello. Uh, that's right. I think it's just, yeah. it's an awesome partnership and I just really appreciate your time to serve and thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Have a great day. Huge shout out to our sponsors of the Leader You podcast. Today's sponsors are Radon Professionals. Radon Professionals was established in 2003 in Pocatello, Idaho. Tiffany and Allie took over the company in 2016 and have been rocking the radon game ever since. Radon Professionals specializes in radon testing and the design and installation of 
radon mitigation systems across Idaho and Wyoming. What is radon gas? Radon gas is an odorless, colorless, tasteless, radioactive gas that comes from the natural breakdown of uranium found in most rocks and soils. Radon finds its way into homes or buildings, and according to the EPA, radon is the second leading cause of lung cancer. The only way to know if a home or building has elevated radon levels is to test it. Whether in its existing home, an office, or new construction project, they have you covered. The name says it all. They are radon professionals. When it comes to quality and professionalism, they've set a new standard. It's not good until it's great. They're nationally certified by the AARST and the NRPP. They guarantee their work and warranty their installations. Guaranteed results with every install. Radon professionals, call or text 208-317-3603. Or on the web, you can find them at www.radon-professionals.com. Or check out their Google reviews to see the awesome things their customers have to say. Thank you to the Radon Professionals for sponsoring the Leader You podcast.